Hey there, and welcome to the Just Keep Blogging podcast. I'm Kim Anderson from KimAndersonConsulting.com, and I'm here to give you a regular dose of blogging adrenaline. excited today to have the care fit from simplifying DIY design with us today so we can talk about the three most important factors for sustainable Pinterest success. Hi Kara. Welcome to the Just Key Blogging Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um Kara and I were geeking out last week a little bit and I was like we should totally do a podcast on Pinterest because you know they're always doing new stuff and everybody's always in panic mode about it. So I just wanted to kind of talk about it and hopefully we'll be able to give you guys today some really helpful tips, um, maybe calm some fears or frustrations that you may be having with Pinterest and just give you a solid game plan for how to go forward with how you uh, do your Pinterest game, so to speak. So speaking of games, Kira, the first point that I want to talk about today is that Pinterest it's definitely a long game mentality. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. I think any search engine is a long game. And, you know, some people may say, well, Pinterest isn't a search engine, it's social media. And it's really not. Like, there's not really much that's social about Pinterest. It's no, actually it's a some, visual search engine. Yeah. So it's like a, a visual search engine is the way that they like to be referenced. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think that it is. Um, and I think that, like, all things, like, year by year, they're trying to work through their own, what is this and how do we make this profitable because they are a business. Uh, and I think it was easier in the days when they hadn't figured out the business. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of bloggers benefited in those early days uh, from just them not having so much advertising and things like that. It was a little bit easier to get traffic to your blog. Right algorithms and keywords they didn't matter quite as much but mm -hmm. then also you have the other end of it where is it really helping the user that's looking for the information you know that's the whole point of the algorithms right to right. put the most content in front of the person searching for it right because you don't want to go looking for green bean casserole and get served up nail ads or like nail right. articles right <laughs> you want to find good looking uh casserole and I mean, so I've been blogging for almost eight years, which is, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that long. How long have you been blogging here? I think I started my first ever blog when my son was born. So that's uh, five, over five years now. Okay. That's insane to me. <laughs> yeah. And would you agree that year by year, they make all kinds of changes? <laughs> yes. And I, and I would also go a step further that every single niche is different on Pinterest. Like it just, it depends on what you're talking about because some things appeal to more of the masses and then mm -hmm. other topics, not so much. So you have to be a little bit more strategic about it. Yeah. And so like a lot of people will focus a lot on like, okay, well, you need to niche down on Pinterest and get more focused in what you write about. And then, you know, there's other people who are there simply to advertise their stores. Like, and I think that's important to realize that it's not just bloggers necessarily, even though bloggers, I feel create a lot or the majority of the visual content that's on there. It's also shops and stores and brands 
service providers. I see a lot of people like, especially designers, they pop up in my feed, um, you know, that are, you know, advertising like a branding service, you know, they're yeah. advertising logo design and things like that. So yeah, kind of have everything. Right. Um, so it is a great place to go, I think, to go find like, you know, delicious recipes and things like that. And um, what I've always heard is they are the do, buy and try platform. Mm-hmm. or something along those lines, some variation yeah. of that word, words. Um, and therefore, if they are do, buy, and try, for the most part, it means that user intent, right? The, the reason people are on right. there is to learn to do something, they're wanting to try something, or they're interested in buying something. You know, I've always told people, which we can talk about in the next part, um, about the uh, importance of um, Pinterest images and stuff, but you know, sometimes you may have to tailor your titles to help people understand more clearly what it is that you're offering them potentially in those arenas of do, buy, and try. Uh, but before we step into that, I just want to just um, finish line this particular point, which is Pinterest is a long game mentality and say that I have for years and years and years of Pinterest seen people freak out whether it's on social media in blogger groups or it is at conferences or whatever but every time Pinterest changes something everybody freaks out because they don't know if they're going to be hurt by it or they're going to benefit from it and my advice to you guys who are listening to this today is similar to almost like the stock market which sounds like a terrible analogy but like the (laughs) stock market stuff you know they always say like you need to play the long game because no matter what goes up and what goes down ultimately like if you'll stick with it then you know you'll you'll be able to come out ahead and I think that's kind of true of Pinterest if you can just recognize if you're listening to this that uh, no matter what stage of your blog you're in, I'm in year eight and Carrie, you can tell me if you agree with this, but I have a lifestyle-ish blog. Um, yep. And so I, I write about a broad number of things and I attract a broader audience, right? Um, right? And so with that comes a lot of different people coming to my blog who may not necessarily stay for long, all these things. And When I look at my analytics personally, uh, you know, from year to year, sometimes I can see that Pinterest traffic does drop or go up or fluctuate or whatever, but it has always been the case that year by year, my traffic looks like waves where it's just kind of a subtle up and down, up and down. Is yours kind of like that too? It is. And, you know, going along the same point, I think a lot of people also think like Pinterest is either going to give you like a viral pin or, you know, it's going to be like this big fluctuation of either I'm way up here or I'm crashing down. But just like anything else I found with, you know, my first blog and my site now, which is a lot more niche down, um, you're going to get consistent traffic with like a handful of blog posts. You know, there's always Mm going to be like maybe depending on how many posts you have, like, you know, 10 to 20 posts that are driving 80% of your traffic. And I feel like even with Pinterest being the way that people think of it, it still can give you that consistent traffic to those posts Mm -hmm. that do well for a long period of time. I mean, I haven't even touched my first blog in three years since I started simplifying DIY design. And I still get about the same amount of traffic as I did before I stop touching it. Right. And that is a common thing that I hear from other people too, is like, if I just stop pinning, like I might see a minor drop, 
but the right. wave, uh, the wave <laughs> is still the same. So like for month yeah. to month, season to season. And so that's why, you know, a lot of times we'll say, if you're going to look at analytics and you're going to make comparisons, obviously you should never, ever, ever compare your traffic to someone else's Pinterest traffic because it's, it's just too, it, the, the variables and what you write about versus what they write about are too broad. They need to yeah. be better at graphics or titles, which we're going to get into next than you may be right now. And you have to practice this. You know, they may have more followers than you do, even if they've been, you know, even if they've been blogging as long as you have. So there's a lot of variables involved in what drives traffic. And ultimately, I just want to encourage you guys to stay focused and realize that, like, if you're going to do Pinterest, it's a long game. And ultimately, for most of our experiences, you're not going to see huge variations necessarily in your traffic if you'll just do it consistently and you'll buy into the idea that Pinterest is a good source of traffic for your blog. It can be a quick source of traffic for your blog if you're fairly new. Um, and ultimately, what I have found is that a lot of my students, like in the Treks of Blog Success and things like that, are finding that as they work on SEO and stuff like that, as they grow their blogs and they create more content, you know, their SEO gets to the point where it either equals out with Pinterest or exceeds Pinterest. And ultimately, Pinterest is just a tool in our toolbox. It cannot be the place that we put all of our eggs in that one basket, so to speak. Right. So, um, all right. So the next point is the importance of Pinterest images. And um, just those, we'll say the, the importance of the graphics that you use to throw that net to draw people to make the click to your site. And so with Kara being the design expert here, I'm going to default to her and ask her some questions here about what she feels like are some of the most important things that you can do to have pins that do get noticed or pins that do get clicks. Um, Cause that's what we all really are looking for in this. We want traffic to our blogs. So Kara, uh, tell me what characteristics you think are most important to making a good pin. So one of the first things that I usually notice in a pin that's not doing so well is the quality of the actual photo that's used. And I am totally guilty of this when I first started my first blog um, because I was on a, a very strict budget. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to invest in stock photos. So I tried taking my own photos with my phone. And, you know, some people, some food bloggers are amazing at it. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so the photos looked terrible. And right. as a result, I did not. I mean, nobody's going to even stop to look at your pin, let alone read the title on your pin. So um, when I finally did invest in actual decent stock photos, my traffic went like it, it, it went from virtually nothing to like 20,000 pages. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Over a few months. So like, yeah. I mean, I already had all of these, you know, articles written. So it was right. really just a matter of redoing the design and just seeing that that's the one thing I changed was like a huge eye-opening thing. Another thing um, with the photos is I want to like, what, when you're scrolling Pinterest, what makes you stop? What kind of photos make you stop? Like if you're looking for a recipe, you're going to click on the one that looks the most, you know, delicious, the one right. that's bright and, you know, something that makes you stop and say, oh my God, I need to make this for dinner. Like right mm -hmm. now, like it doesn't even matter what the title says. Just think about that in terms of any kind of niche. If you're looking for a craft, obviously you want to find a picture of something that you, is amazing to you, you know? 
You want light, bright, airy, you know, something that's sharp, the quality is high. Um, those are the things that we look for in photos that are a decent quality. I can remember early on as a new blogger, I had a DSLR and I thought mm -hmm. that's all I really needed to be like awesome at photography. And then right. over time, like I started learning these little things because I would take pictures and I'm like, these still suck. This food still looks like vomit, <laughs> like, right? So then at some point, I think that I went to um, FinCon and Aaron Chase from $5 Dinners was doing a like photography class, which was the first time anybody had ever sort of been available. And I remember her setting up the food by a window and it was yeah, just and turning off. Yeah. And like turning off the lights and we were just yeah. doing natural light. And that was the game changer for me because I went home, I bought like giant wooden, um, cutting boards, like bamboo mm -hmm. or whatever. I bought pure white plates. Cause that was one of the things that she did. She's like, you need the white, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I got a white plate and then that was when it all kind of changed. Like was when I figured out, like I want something clean and I need to take it outside. So I would just go in my, I would go out on my front porch. I mean, nobody can see beyond this photo, but I would go on my front porch. Um, and I'd find a place that wasn't in direct sunlight. So I want to point that out. If you guys are listening, direct sunlight is where that harsh yellowish light hits something. You kind of yeah. want to be in that shady spot. Like it's like, where there's no, you know, pixelation of the light. Like you shouldn't see little like bright spots and dark spots on your um, board or whatever it is that you're, you know, it should be in full kind of shade, but outside. Uh, and then you should, even with your phone, you know, get on top of it, get beside it, like take 20 or so pictures of what you're working with. Um, yep. And just taking it outside, like you don't need fancy equipment. You don't need any feel like you need to go out and buy like food boxes and all this stuff. I mean, you can, but I, to be yeah. honest with you, I think that uh, by going out and buying all of those things, you're actually like hurting yourself because you're still not going to know how to use those things properly, most right. likely. And so just taking it outside solves that problem almost 99% of the time. And then the other thing that I learned was I was working with this one sponsored post and it was for like a crock pot, like addition, like it was a little packet of like crock pot sauce that you would add or whatever. And when it came out, I was like, this looks like vomit. Like, <laughs> and so I got it on the plate. And so what I decided to do was, cause it was supposed to be like chicken and broccoli or something. So I yeah. steamed broccoli and I shoved the bright green broccoli like down into the vomit looking stuff, right? Instead of having it all mixed together and, yeah. you know, added a few little pieces of like, I don't know, I must have put um, chives or something green on top yeah. of it, took yeah. it outside. And then I was like, this is banging. Like I was so excited because <laughs> I was going to be mortified to post the photos that I had for the right. brand because I was like, this doesn't look good. <laughs> Like, you yeah. know, so yeah. I think that there are things that you can do for yourself. Like as you're listening to this, when we talk about good, like food photos, some of the big mistakes um, that I see with this is, and, and I've made these two, uh, mm -hmm. is like, if you try to put like a, like a red tablecloth or something in the background and then take the pictures inside, like, or if you put your food on like dark red or green plates, like. I think the cleaner you can get the photo, it doesn't mean you can't have props 
you know, like I've got plenty of things where like it's on a white plate and then under is a charger of a different color. Like you can play with that stuff, but ultimately it's got to look good if it's going to be food. I mean, I do, I get that there are niches that you can't have stock photos. I mean, obviously, you know, if you can buy stock photos, that's great. But with the food bloggers specifically, you know, and craft bloggers, they need to be able to take photos of whatever they're making. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, the, the things that you buy aren't probably aren't going to get you as far as maybe investing in a inexpensive course on how to take the photos because mm-hmm. that'll get you further. And it's just like using Canva. Anybody can pull up a Canva template, but if you don't know how to use Canva at all, like <laughs> yeah. not necessarily, that tool is not going to really help you as much as, you know, taking a step back, figuring out, you know, what are the good ways to actually do this? How can I use what I have? Right. And then as I grow, I'll upgrade my tools, you know? Right. So I was super cheap in the beginning too, being that I'm a thrifty little mom and I did not want to buy stock photography. Uh, and so I can remember going to um, open clip art was what it was called. And so all of my pins were made in like publisher with clip art. Like there's some of them that are still out there that are actually, they do pretty well because I think they look so different from everything else that's on there. Um, And some of them are terrible. Like some of them, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing that I have that up there. But this is the point (laughs) Um, I always make to people. Like when you first get started, you just do what you can do. And then you have to practice. Like that is the bottom line. Like getting good at images, getting good at making pins, like you're going to suck when you start. And if you can accept that about yourself, you'll be okay. But you need to learn to practice and get better with the tools and things like that. So, okay, Kara, go ahead. What are the other characteristics? (laughs) The other thing that I want to bring up is kind of like twofold. So it's essentially both points are don't be overwhelming, Julie. (laughs) So the first point though is text. So you're going to have text on your pin. And I feel like some of the pins that I've seen on Pinterest, some of the mistakes that I see bloggers making is like they have so many different fonts on there. Like it's a a fancy sign from Hobby Lobby, but if you're (laughs) not a designer that knows how to lay out that font in a way that it works together, it's just going to look visually overwhelming. Like I generally recommend do not exceed three fonts. And honestly, it's probably better to keep it at two. (laughs) Well, I Um, noticed in most of your templates, you only use two. Yeah. Because especially if one of them is some kind of accent font. So if it's like a fun font or if it's a scripty font, yeah. um, you really, you'd never want to have more than one accent font. <laughs> okay. So on that note, uh, yeah. a lot of bloggers ask me this question, which is, do I need to stay on brand with my colors every single time? Or can I just make it match kind of the theme of the pen? So what I do is I make one pin that's super branded and that's the one that's going to go in my blog post and on my like best of board. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the pins, I don't really obsess very much about branding. I generally yeah. keep the same colors, but I definitely don't worry about the font. I really just pick fonts that fit the pin the best and fit my title the best. You know, if okay. I have a really long title, I'm going to need a narrower font. Um, I try not to make it like crazy. Like it, you would never think that it was, you know, something that I created, but I really don't with Pinterest, people are going to click. They're not going to, 
it's not the, the same people. So like, for instance, your Facebook page, th these are the same people that follow you, right? right. And they're going to be more into like your brand and, and the recognizability of that. But on Pinterest, people are just searching and they don't necessarily even know who you are yet. Mm -hmm. So whether you're branded or not, is not going to make or break you on Pinterest. Pinterest, like you have said, you need to practice. You need to have multiple pins for the same post. You need to just kind of get out there and see what works. And if you're sticking to the exact same thing every time, you're not going to be able to tell what works and what doesn't work I think without taking some kind of chances. That's an important point. I think a lot yeah. of people get stuck in the like, well, I'm going to keep using the same branded pin and they're not getting any traffic. And maybe it's because right. your pin design that you keep using over and over isn't good. Yeah. Or it just doesn't you know, if you're using too much, too many words with a script, that's hard to read. You know, you also have to think about your ideal audience. You know, uh, as we progress in this world, there are some people that don't know how to read script, mm -hmm. you know, there, you got to think about those things too. So if you have a younger audience, then you might not want to use font like that. You have to keep in mind who you want to click on it as well. Yeah. Um, and another point with the headline, which kind of goes back to our first point about Pinterest being a long game, is how many ways can I say the same thing? Because when you're making multiple pins, you don't want to have the exact same headline. You want to be yes. testing different ways for you to say these things. <clears throat> and something I usually tell people is like, what do you want the person to know that they're getting out of this? Like, hmm. I can easily write, um, you know, how to make blogging goals on a pin. But if my goal for that person is so that they can actually stick to them, you know, that's a transformation. I've made tons of goals, but it doesn't mean I'm sticking to them. Right. So, you know, another way to write that title would be how to set blog goals that you can actually stick to, you know, something right. a little bit extra that's going to show a transformation. Yeah, I like that. So transformational language in the titles whenever you can get it. And the other thing that people are always asking me, and I think this is really important too, like, uh, you know, I have my content creation blitz bootcamp class and a lot of people that are in there are learning about SEO and implementation of SEO on a content level. And so they're learning about, you know, creating titles that are SEO friendly and things like that. And so they feel the need that when they make their pin, that their pin image has to also have that same title. And I say, no, it doesn't like, <laughs> you know, it's two different beasts. So you know, your blog post title is really going to be geared towards Pinterest search engine optimization, whereas your uh, pin title, you can tweak to um, fit Pinterest. And like, like you're saying, like you can have more transformational language in there if you want to, um, and you can play around with different titles, but your title on Pinterest does not have to match. Like the title that is on your image does not have to match the actual title of your article. And how I usually explain that to people is that your title of the image, not on your pin, the title you put into Pinterest is for Pinterest. The title you put on your pin is for the reader. Mm -hmm. So you want Pinterest to have that title with that keyword so that it shows up in that reader search results. Mm -hmm. But what you put on the pin is going to make the reader click because they're not going to look at your little title that's way down here. They're going to look at the big words that are on the pin graphic. Right. And do you have so, any other things related to graphics that you feel like people should work on? Yeah. So the other point about visual overwhelm is sometimes I think people get a little crazy, like you had mentioned with the clip art, because there are, is clip art on Canva. And there is a way to add clip art to a graphic while keeping it 
you know, pretty and not overwhelming, but sometimes people get carried away with the clip art, especially if it's like some kind of seasonal graphic. We don't need an Easter pin to have like a picture of a bunny and a picture of a basket and a picture of a bunch of eggs and eggs hanging down like, like their ornaments and things like that. Like, it's just very overwhelming. <laughs> so I generally try to stick to actual shapes and then lay them out. I mean, you're, you're part of my DIY membership. Yeah. So you probably see my pins designed that way where they're shapes. They're not actual clip art images. Every once in a while, there's something like that, but they're just shapes laid out in a way that's interesting and that's different. Right. Because, you know, that's another thing. A lot of people, especially back probably about five years ago when Pinterest was still kind of new and people were starting to teach about it, uh, you know, the main thing was, uh, you know, a, a square and then you put your, your text over the square. So, right. Like, we're trying to move past that in a way that's a little bit more visually interesting without being overwhelming. Yeah. And they definitely set that the size now is like, cause back in the day when we would do it, like, remember the people who would have like 30 foot long pins yeah. <laughs> take up well, the whole screen like that. That's why they, they made the cutoff. So I generally try to keep that two to three ratio. I mm -hmm. see where some, maybe some food bloggers might need a little bit more space for their picture or something like that. Uh, the other thing that I was going to point out is like, I've seen a lot of people who are like, okay, well, I get it. I'm going to use stock photos and yeah. they'll even use like your templates and stuff. I've seen this happen, but they don't get the positioning of the photo necessarily. So like they yeah. will not exactly know how to manipulate, I guess, <laughs> Canva all the time. And so yeah. they just sort of put the picture and then, and then like, um, I was kind of auditing somebody's Pinterest account one time and I was looking at the photos and every single one of them was like, they had positioned the subject of the photo behind the box that contained the text. And so all you saw <laughs> was like the box that had the text and the top yep. part of a face or a head and then like yep. the background. And I was like, who would click on this? <laughs> because you can't even see what yep. the pin is about. And I think people, exactly. and I laugh, but like, Again, this is comes. This is a practice thing, right? And like, well, yeah. And this is, uh, you, I can give you mm -hmm. tools, but if you don't understand how to actually implement it, whether it be the design platform that you're using or the design foundational design knowledge, the template is only get you so far, right? Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> Uh, it's important to know that when you're using a stock photo, you need the subject of the photo to be visual. So maybe if you're, you don't want to move the text box or whatever, flip the photo so mm -hmm. that the, the content of the photo, you can just do a horizontal flip and, and it'll shift it to the other side. You can also, if the template that you're using mine or somebody else's has like a grid in the background and you're finding when you drag the photo into it, that it's difficult for you to move around, just get rid of the grid. Yeah. Um, you can just delete the grid put your photo in, position it how you want, and then pop it to the back with the position tool. You just right. click on the photo, you click on position, send, send to back. And it goes all the way to the background and, you, and you're good to go. Um, the rule of thirds is the big design foundation uh, thing that I talk about with position of the photo. Because if you were to fold that pin in three, whether it be horizontally or vertically, you're gonna get a grid. And you want to position the main focus of the photo, which is also the main focus of whatever article that you're writing about. Um, and you want it to kind of lay in one of those thirds. So that's generally how I position things. And that's 
you know, rather than centering something right square in the middle, it can draw the eye a little bit more. Um, and it's kind of just the easiest to explain to somebody that might not have any graphic design gotcha. background. It's just the easiest way to be like, okay, this is how you position something because a lot of design is very, you can't just say this is how it is because mm -hmm. it's not always the same way. Design is all gray area pretty much. There are some rules and you know, I can spew facts like don't have this amount of fonts or whatever, but ultimately it's having the eye for what looks correct. And if you don't have that, then you need to stick to those basic things and not try to get super fancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you're not particularly artistic, it's probably better for you yeah. to stick with some basic design principles because you may right. not have an eye for that. And I've met, you know, like I have clients who are just like, I am just not good at graphics. And I'm like, yeah. just get Kara's templates. Yeah. <laughs> it's you a know. really good jumping off point and you just have to you know, have some common sense with it. You know, if, yeah. if the subject of your photo is behind the text, you got to move the photo. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like I'm pretty good at graphics, but right. I want to be fast. And so for me, yeah. like I rely very heavily on your templates because I know that you have already done the design part and I'm just putting my stuff in there. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. so if you go on to Kim Anderson's <laughs> thrifty little mom Pinterest account, that is not going to be 99% CaraFid templates that you see being used. Um, yeah. So that's why I like that you always have a large variety of pin options because I think sometimes people are like, well, I don't want my pins to look like everybody else's pins. And I'm like, well, if you're changing the colors and you've got enough variety, which you cre have created well like a, you know what I mean like you've got so many pin templates out there now I can't yeah I mean you can't even look at my pins and be like because yeah. I heard you say before like you look at some of the stuff that I make and you're like I think that I that's and I'm like yeah it is yeah. Your templates, you, know, you know a lot of people send me stuff especially like your worksheets and your workbooks other people have sent me um you know those types of things ebooks and things and they tell me that they use my template and I'm looking at it and I'm like Really? Because I don't even think I would have put that out. Like, you think I, good job. You know? Yeah, this looks great. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a really good thing. So like when you guys are thinking about Pinterest images and what you're making, like if you really struggle in that particular area, you know, I think that getting some templates and stuff like that can be very helpful, especially if you get them from somebody like Kara, who already has a strong eye for design. And like she said, like, you're going to have to learn a little bit how to make sure that the images are positioned well. And, you know, you're going to be on your own when it comes to picking out the photo, but you can have a lot more confidence that pin looks good. Um, right. And the co combination of the fonts and things like that. And all you have to do is change up the colors if you want and things like that. So the only other thing I was going to say is kind of related to people that use templates, because I think sometimes when they go to change the, the heading text, they, whether, you know, obviously if it's not the exact same number of characters, it's going to be off a little bit and mm -hmm. you're going to have to reposition or resize okay. the font so that it lines up. The most important thing with heading text is to make sure it lines up either on the left or centered or some kind of, you know, left, right, centered. Okay. If it doesn't, then you need to change the size or change the position of the, the text box gotcha. so that it lines up because it makes a big difference with how organized the pin looks. Gotcha. So if there's a lot of like, like if the, if the text looks like it's going off of the initial right. uh, background that it was intended to be on 
and you are right. like unsure of how to fix that and you're just doing it because you're like well here's the template you're saying yeah. just make sure that you adjust what you've done so that it remains yeah. where it's supposed to be even if that means changing the size or centering yeah. it differently or, yeah has made it pretty easy because you can adjust it with the corners now mm-hmm. like you don't have to manually change oh yeah the size just drag it and and it makes it super fast to line everything up again. right I that use that a lot more now I was really glad when they did that yeah. so it makes yeah, it much faster to shrink text <laughs> to fit yeah okay so the third point that we want to talk about today is the power of consistency on Pinterest So regardless of your frustration level that you normally may experience, if you've been using Pinterest for a long time, or you've just started using it, like if I could preach anything that is a success factor, it is just consistency. And, you know, when I say consistency, I don't mean like white knuckling your pinning strategy to the point where, you know, like I've had clients before say, well, I'm going away on my honeymoon. How am I going to pin? And I'm like, go on your honeymoon and don't pin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so I don't want anybody to take this advice, like anything that we're saying, like there's going to be my, like, I, I call them, um, extra thinkers is my special new term for my type a bloggers. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, you know, because I think that, you know, when you say that somebody is type a or whatever, I think people jump to more of like a negative connotation associated with that. And so that's why I like the term extra thinkers, because I think it's a positive thing. Um, Because I think that people who, you know, are extra thinkers in general are more detail oriented, and they just in general, like they need to ask clarifying questions, because they they do do it the right way, right? They have a desire to do it right way. So with everything that we're talking about here, give yourself some grace, you know, I want to always reiterate that. Um, give yourself some patience and give yourself some practice. Because if you listen to my last podcast from last week, uh, I talked about those five things that everybody has to go through with everything that you do. And Pinterest is still one of those where you have to have knowledge of how to do it, which is what Karen and I have emphasized today, like getting in there and understanding how to use whatever the editing tool is that you're using. The practice part is vital. (laughs) Then there's the testing it to see if it works or it doesn't work. You know, all of those pieces of the puzzle are going to play out in Pinterest as well. Um, And the most important thing I feel like is consistency. And that doesn't mean that, like, I feel like Pinterest, Kara, would you agree, is fairly forgiving because I think that you said you haven't pinned. Have you pinned to your other blog? No, my first blog, no. Okay. There has been periods of time where I have not pinned for months just because but I am also eight years in right like I'm seven years in um so I don't think it's wise (laughs) to do that drop it um I'm just wanting to make a point here by by being authentic with you guys to say that there will come a point when you've built enough momentum on Pinterest that even if you have to take a break or you don't pin for a minute it will continue without you because your pin will live on as far as it is at this point and how it's been sort of over the years. And like Kara said, it is not unusual for there to be a top five or 10 pins that drive the majority of the traffic. I think a lot of my extra thinkers look at that and they're like, well, I'm putting out all these other posts. So how do I make all these other posts perform at this level? And there's not like a set in stone yeah, reaction. And you also have to realize Pinterest is not the be all end all. Maybe you have five, 10 that do really well on Pinterest, but you have another five or 10 that drive all your Google traffic. Right. Exactly. You know? Mine are very different. My Google traffic is very different than my Pinterest traffic. 
same with mine. And also I would even say that the Facebook traffic you would get is going to mm-hmm. be even more different because people on Facebook are going to be attracted to those like personal blog posts that exactly. do well on any search platform. Right. So I agree with you. Say just because you're writing a bunch of things, just because it's not working on one platform doesn't mean it's a waste of time. Yeah. I have this like true confessions of Kim Anderson. I think it was my first summer and I went to my first blogging conference. At that time, Pinterest was like the new kid on the block was like driving so much traffic. And I went to this huge event and they were asking the audience, like it was a big room of people. Again, I'm so new, so newbie. Um, They asked the people, they said, how do you tell whether a post is good or not? And so me and my very newness um, was like listening to all their answers or whatever, but Pinterest had been very good to me in my first year. And so I stood up and said, well, I feel like Pinterest is a good indicator as to whether what you've written is good or not good, but I had no clue what I was talking about. You know, and so I can see like the seasoned bloggers of the room who like, and at this point, the seasoned bloggers were people who had been around since before blogging was like easy. Like these are the people who used to like code their own sites. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, they were of the old school, like journal style, whatever, like they're the like OGs or whatever you would call them of blogging. And I'm up here with my like kid on the new kid on the block and I'm like yeah Pinterest is what dictates whether your stuff is good or not you know so I laugh at that when I think back to that because I feel rather mortified about that moment in hindsight but you know uh hindsight is 2020 anyway um but getting to the point to say that uh ultimately you know like you just said there's a lot of different ways to drive traffic you should diversify but if you're going to spend time I think that Pinterest is worth investing time on and More recently, based on just like, because I, yeah, I've got a lot of Pinterest gurus out there that I love, support, and completely believe in. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there are tons of people who have tried all kinds of the strategies and all kinds of classes, and they've had success or whatever. But there is a handful of people in my community who I recognize really do struggle with consistency with Pinterest simply because I think that they can't maintain what they believe is the perfect way to sort of do Pinterest. And none of these strategies are bad at all. I'm just talking about individual people being able to keep up or not keep up. I have ADHD. So those strategies for me have been difficult to maintain when I have to pin lots of pins per day, because number one, I hate spreadsheets. I don't, <laughs> I don't like spreadsheets, but some people do. Some people thrive with spreadsheets, but some people yeah. don't. And so for me, like I've had to really work hard to develop what I think I can manage. And in that same experiment, so last fall, I started experimenting with a group of bloggers who were on the struggle bus and who did struggle with consistency And so I set up a little system for them to follow that was limited to basically a pin a day. And I set it up to where they had a way to track it and a way to decide which pins that they were going to pin. And that was the expectation. And when the experiment was over, I was getting letters from people like saying, this is the first time I've ever been able to be consistent with Pinterest. My traffic is up 40% because I did, you know, I just did it. Like I didn't back down. I just did it. I followed through whatever it may be. And so we did it again another month. 
same thing. And so when we came around the corner of the new year, I thought to myself, like, this isn't just like an experiment. Like, I think that this is a way to help not just me personally as a blocker be consistent with pinning, but also help those people who really, really struggle with consistency. Right. Do you find that you have people in like your own community who do struggle with Pinterest consistency? Yeah. I mean, I think that I myself, I don't have HD and I still struggle with consistency. Um, you know, something that helps me, but not necessarily everyone is batching things like, mm-hmm. just you know, I'll make a bunch of the graphics at one time. Cause I'm already in there and I can just right. boom, boom, boom. Um, and then I have them, you know, and yeah. I do the same thing, with newsletters and things like that, because otherwise if I had to sit down once a week to do all these things, it's never going to get done. And also my higher level tasks that I right. need to do won't get done because right. I won't have time for that. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. So one thing that Karen and I did, we were talking last week and what we decided to do um, was to combine our powers like in Captain Planet with our rings, except hers is like her, her ring is like a design ring. <laughs> it's, got a paintbrush on it. <laughs> it's got a paintbrush on it. Awesome. And then mine is consistency, the power of consistency, because I'm a consistency coach for a lot of people. Um, I don't know what that looks like. What's consistent? <laughs> what would be an image that my ring would have? The stars. Cause there's always stars, right? Yes. Stars. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Constellations. <laughs> Constellations. They're always there. Okay. So when those two powers combine, okay. So what I did was I took this pinning plan that I had created that was very simple and easy to follow. And I created what's called the easy peasy pinning plan. And in this easy peasy pinning plan, when I was setting it up, I started talking about the importance of, you know, using templates for people who really struggle or for people who want to speed up their ability to create pins. And so then I reached out to Kara and I was like, Kara, I said, I'm already going to be talking about you and these graphics that you make. And, and just like you said about the batching, that's one of the cool things about using your templates, whether you're using Canva or PicMonkey, your mega pin creators bundle has how many pins in it? 60. 60. For Canva and PicMonkey. Okay. So there's a total of 120, but there's right. 60 for Canva. Yep. Yeah. And then, okay. So that being said, like, if somebody wanted to batch out <laughs> yeah. a lot of the pins, like 10 pins. <laughs> yeah, you could batch them out very quickly and easily with these different pin templates that she's created. And then you could follow along with the easy peasy pinning plan quickly, right? right? And you could do the easy peasy pinning plan because my goal was to create something for the people who really struggle with consistency. So I've come up with the... 30 and six plan, the easy peasy pinning plan. It also includes niche board plans. So if you have more of a niche thing going on, uh, on Pinterest, and then the last thing, which people are always hungry for is how to be consistent during the holidays, because for people, you know, a lot of people during the holiday season is when you get, they get surges of traffic, depending on their niche. I know that different people, again, like we talked about have different seasons, but a lot of people see high traffic in the winter time and around the holidays, because everybody's searching for, you know, creative things or ideas or recipes or whatever it may be. And so we took our two powers being the easy peasy pinning plan and the mega pin creators bundle. And we put them together into one amazingly awesome action pack. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so that you guys would be able to not just be able to implement the easy, penny, easy peasy pinning plan, but you also have access to all of Kara's awesomely designed templates to help you be successful to get those design. Um, what we talked about in point two, how the importance of those images and stuff down, um, things like that. I'm really excited about it. Yes. Super excited. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the pinning plan is the people that were like, oh my God, this is the first time that I've been able to actually stick to something. And I think that it is common, especially with the topic of Pinterest to be like, well, I've done this thing and I've done this thing and I've done this thing, but I really want to make a point to people that might not be as familiar with Kim Anderson as I am, but Kim really seriously has the superpower to take a topic that you think that you've tried to learn all you can about it <laughs> and position it in a way that it actually finally makes sense because she's done that to me with goals, breaking down goals, making a, a, a you know, a growth plan. Like I thought I understood that, but Kim has a way to explain it. That's so like easy. And like, yes, I can actually do that. I don't have to be like, you know, know everything about this thing. I just need to do it Kim's way. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And that's how I feel about you. That's so sweet. You said that. Um, thank you, Kara. <laughs> but I feel the same way about you. Like the moment that you started doing templates for things, like I thought, oh, I'm pretty good at design. And so me being who I am, like, I generally try to experiment with things that my students talk about a lot and people kept right. talking about your stuff all the time. And I was like, well, let me just see. And I was like, dang, I'm gonna start using this stuff because it's gonna save me time, <laughs> you know, because you like, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like you just have this amazing eye for design. And I really, I've seen a lot of pen templates out there and I still mm -hmm. feel like, I don't know what your magic power is for creating really amazing design but it's like it's like it comes so naturally to you so everything that I've ever seen you make just blows my socks off and I've tried like I've looked around like I don't want to really use anybody else's templates because you know I have gotten you know people tell me that often they're like I've tried you know x y and z other people's templates and just something about your templates they just work for me mm -hmm. so and i've also i've had people ask me like what's the difference between your templates and other people's templates i'm like i don't know i just kind of do my thing <laughs> yeah i just think that you have you have this unique uh design ability that not a lot of people in the industry have and um Thanks. i think you know, it's like part knowledge, part natural talent, and then part practice. Cause I know you've okay. been doing it for a long time. I've got the same kind of thing, like for whatever reason, like trying to break it, like breaking things down into a more understandable thing. is just my jam. And yeah, you know, like <laughs> it just is what I, what I do. And I actually enjoy it. Like I like the ability to take something complex um, and make it to where people can actually like do it or implement it. Because if you can't do that, then you can't, you can't have the success that you're looking for. And I want people to be successful. So um, I always say now, like, I'm really a big consistency coach. Like that's kind of where I want to be seen because I think that consistency is the key to people being able to create a sustainable blog based business. And in this case, if you're looking to create traffic to your blog, which is important. Um, and the reason that we use Pinterest is because it's fairly easy traffic. It's yeah. fairly easy. And I know there's people out there who are like SEO, SEO, and that's cool. But I, it's, it's a little bit, like it's a long game. game than Pinterest is. <laughs> right. And to be able to sit down and just do the easy peasy pinning plan and start, you know, 
working on growing a steady stream of traffic because you know you've gotten your system to where it's simple we've got your templates ready to go and it's not like you're wanting to sit down and cry every time that you have to make pins yeah. <laughs> you know like you just and and just keeping in mind that no matter what it's consistency long game design and i think those are the three elements that are really tailored to success so if you can get in there and you can stop checking your analytics every three seconds from pinterest <laughs> You know, a lot of people, I really recommend people just check their analytics once a month. I mean, unless you're doing yeah. some kind of really major thing, especially for newer people, don't back down off of this. If you can see your blog as a long game, which I know is a struggle. I know when all the success stories tell you that it's a six month to six figures or whatever it is that all these crazy online business people preach, blog-based businesses are long games. And if you can get that in your head and you can accept it and go for it and believe in it, then you're gonna to get to your success story, whatever that definition is. Yeah. So, anything you'd like to add, Kira at the end of this um, episode? No, I don't think so. I think that you guys should definitely go check out the action pack. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Easy Easy Penny Plan action pack is gonna be, there's gonna be a link in the comments if you guys wanna go check that out, see what it's all about. Um, and I can tell you, for some of you people who may, who are listening, who, really, really struggle with consistency of Pinterest. When I say this is the easy peasy pinning plan, that is what it is, okay? And um, I think that you will, for the first time, find consistency with Pinterest if you have not been able to find that. And I think that you will, for the first time, by using Kira's templates, find confidence in your pin design creation process. And so I think that when you put out a pin now, you can be excited about the potential growth opportunity as well as be proud of the pin that you're putting out on Pinterest. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that you guys will take some time to check out the link that we've put into the description of this episode and just go on over there. If you have questions, feel free to email me, Kim at KimAndersonConsulting.com and I'll be happy to give you more information. I hope you guys have a great day and just keep vlogging.